You're listening to Food, Wine, and the Culinary Mind with Matt Schuster. We're getting inside the brilliant and delicious minds of remarkable culinary individuals. We're telling stories, cutting up, and breaking it down. Welcome. I'm here with my friend, chef, and proprietor of Lanyap Peak Vineyards, Erica Almeida Mooney. Hi, Matt. Hello. And so today's episode is Mary Sue Milliken, who, along with Susan Finnecker, was one of my most excited interviews to, to, to go and do. So Mary Sue Milliken, tell me your tell me your Mary Sue memories. So Mary Sue is one half of the two hot tamales. That's right. And that's she right. is a hot tamale. She, she is. is. She is. She's a very perky hot. little pepper. Both of them. Um, and really, along with Susan, was really a a, a pioneer uh, in the 80s and 90s of female being professional chefs, uh, sort of the OG of the movement, which is really amazing. She also, you know, the thing that I think is so cool about them is they really did build an entire career off of a partnership, but each one is so individual and has their own individual stories and their own individual things going on, yet still they still kind of meet in the middle halfway. Um, and so I think that that's really cool. I think that uh, Mary Sue really has a lot going on with uh, our world is dying, we need to save it. So it's interesting you say that because so Erica, you've not listened to the episode yet. I have not. No, but we. But do. I am on pins and needles to do so. <laughs> we we do. We spend a lot of time talking about you know our our food future and and Mary Sue really does. She sits on a lot of committees where she is involved with change and getting chefs to make a change. So it's really refreshing to hear somebody who has a big empire because they have a big empire, but who who also really care about this. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that they're that they're genuine about it. Absolutely. So Mary Sue is is like you said is is very well known for one half of the two hot tamales, uh, one of Food Network's first shows that featured two hot tamales two crazy awesome very very strong women and they met originally at Le Perroquet in Chicago they ended up in Los Angeles where they worked at city cafes and then the city restaurants in 1985 and then that turned into Border Grill uh, which opened to a James Beard award the same year which is impressive for for those of us who work in restaurants and have worked in restaurants that is not an easy task that is not no so um i also feel like she and susan sort of perfected the shoulder to shoulder arms crossed (laughs) pose really beautifully i feel like they were kind of the pioneers of that as well you know what it it was uh, a sign of the times i will say that that for sure so so mary sue also competed on season three's Bravo's uh, Top Chef Masters. She won $40,000 for Share Our Strength, um, and she's co-authored five cookbooks. She and Susan were named the recipients of the fourth annual Julia Child Award from the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and Culinary Arts, marking the first women to be honored with that award. So there are no slouches. Like I said, the OGs. <laughs> the OGs. The culinary minds. <laughs> That's exactly right. So this interview was also done right before Susan's in the back room of the Border Grill in this amazing warehouse of old uh, decor from 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 the restaurant of uh, years of past. So, so wait, you had both of them in the same building at the same time, well, yet you interviewed them separately. Yeah, because I thought it was important that each got their own episodes, so so they could tell their own stories. And 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 we both episodes were actually very different. We mm-hmm. we really didn't talk about. Uh, much of the same things uh, in in either, and mm-hmm. and and that was cool, you know. And 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 it's great to see that they have such a a, a nice 
a partnership after so many years, but they're also individuals, right? And 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 we talk about that as well. So 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 yeah, it was. Uh, you know, one after the other in this storage area room, which had like a giant like cage in it of uh, equipment. And there were these like voodoo dolly things like kind of hanging from the the ceilings. Please tell me that you liberated a souvenir from this storage set. They were too big. They were too big, but they, they, it was like, uh, it reminded me uh, in, in in a way of like the Las Vegas museum that has Mm -hmm. like all the old signs that, you know, uh, that, that show the times. But, um, but I did take photos and I'm going to post some photos, uh, you know, for, for, for people to get an idea. For more information on Mary Sue Millican, find her on social at Mary Sue Millican, also bordergrill.com. Let's listen. I'm here with the very, very energetic Mary Sue Millican. Hello. Great to be here. Thank you for allowing, allowing this to happen in really a fascinating room of the restaurant. This is, it's, it's kind of like a, 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 a treasure trove of of you know uh border grills uh what present past maybe future yes um our arsenal of all kinds of tools and you know leftover artwork and signage and chairs and it's our little it's our lovely little storage room. it's like your version of the vegas museum <laughs> i love it so so i asked you earlier um about cooking growing up and and you talked about just uh, two words that just created such a big image in my head. You said that your dad loved to hunt and that you would celebrate spring with a smelt fry. Yeah, well, I come from the Midwest and growing up in Michigan, um, my dad loved to hunt and fish and you know, the smelt only run for like two weeks in May. And so it's kind of a cool thing where they're in their freshwater little small fish mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they're really tasty and delicious and you can eat all the bones and everything and you know my mom would gut them and we had we had a deep fryer that you pulled out of the cupboard and put on the countertop and I remember you know really looking forward to the smelt fry and then uh you know in the winter he would always shoot a deer and we would you know make deer sausages and deer soup and it's it's it sounds like it really taught you seasonality at a young age oh yeah and my mom was a great cook Mm -hmm. and she loved food and so it was a big part of my childhood and so so that kind of leads you to hanging out with the family and the cousins and you started cooking with the cousins yeah well uh we would spend summers up north Mm -hmm. which is what a lot of families in michigan do Um, my grandparents had a place up there and we would go up and all the cousins and i would run wild for three months it was really awesome but one of my cousins carol and i we loved to cook so we would make all the bake sale cakes and we would you know cook for like and when her mom and dad had an anniversary we like dressed up as we dressed up our younger cousin mark as a waiter and we were in the kitchen and we that's great i remember we made crepe suzette and i could not get the liquor to flame i must have put like about you know a hundred matches that's awesome (laughs) so it really tasted like sulfur And do you ever look back through those old cookbooks now? Those recipes are just, uh, you know. I still love them. They're they're like a time capsule. But the joy of cooking is one book that, you know, to this day, I'll pull it down Mm -hmm. and just check it out if I'm going to make something just because... You know, it's a, a foundational kind of oh, yeah. cooking. Oh, yeah. But like I have uh, like a lot of my grandmother's, uh, you know, tattered and torn. And and the there's recipes for like squirrel. Yeah. You know, oh, and yeah. and it's just, you know, it's a different. It's a different time, you know, and a lot of newspaper clippings and a lot of magazine clippings. Right. Oh. You know that it's, it's such Americana. I think uh, there was a recipe I pulled out from I guess it was it was a jello company or the jello company about making a jello candle and where you 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 made your jello mold and you put it in like you know like a jelly jar and then you inserted a wick 
<laughs> and and it was a Jello candle. Wow. Yeah, and we actually did this at the restaurant and for, did it work? for for Halloween. We made we made seance candles out of uh, you know Jello kind of gelatin seance candles. Yeah, it works. It's you know you're just putting That's so you know a natural. Funny. You get a natural wick and you, you stick it in. But it's it's funny how like you and know what happens old is new. when it gets down the flame the gets down flame and goes melts. Out. Oh, it, okay. it go, you know it, go, it goes out right okay. but I mean it's kind of like the birthday experience at the table where you know you know they blow it out right yeah um, if it if it gets you know uh, or if it gets to the to the top it'll it'll put it out on its own but right you know it's just those those old residents there's good stuff in there yeah you know there, yeah, yeah. There, there's creativity in there awesome so um you know, one of the reasons why I really was excited to interview you is because you are such a big uh, fan of collaboration. And um, you heard, I, I heard you say at one point, collaboration's in your soul. So, and, and that really resonated with me. Um, so talk a little bit about that. Well, I think, um, you know, I like to call it collaboration, but it's probably more like codependence. <laughs> <laughs> But I do, I really like to be with others. Mm -hmm. And I like, like, what my workout at the gym is with a girlfriend. We have a routine every Tuesday, every Thursday. I have other people that I, you know, always go play soccer with. Or I, and then I have Susan, who's been my business partner for almost 40 years. Mm -hmm. Well, we've known each other 40 years. We've been in business together 38. Mm. And... I, you know, I really truly feel that um, the the sum of the parts is, you know, far greater than each of us individually could do. Mm -hmm. And I, I really love being able to, you know, kind of lean into my skills and know that, you know, where I'm deficient, there's someone else who is going to bring in another perspective and we're going to end up with a really cool thing so how does that translate down from you to the managers to the chefs and the dishwashers and the busboys and the servers well yeah i think we're very uh respectful of our our team and we're constantly asking for their input mm -hmm. and their um, they're the ones who are on the front lines doing the work, whether it's out in the dining room or in the dish pit or on the line. So they have really smart ideas and really great insights that once we, they open up and, and, and start talking to you, you really are able to find the best solution possible to every. And, you know, being in the restaurant business is about putting out fires all day long sure sure and so you know having a team of people who are empowered mm -hmm. to share their ideas you know some of them not every idea is great so it's and, and that's and that's okay too right mm -hmm. and, and sometimes you know that as they're saying it right but you know that it's something that they need to figure out on their own it's part of the process yeah yeah exactly yeah because somebody probably did that for you at some point right that they let you make mistakes and, oh yeah. yeah and i yeah. think um you know, although uh, you know, in in a margin, in an acceptable margin, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I think early on, we kind of opened our own place in 1981. I was 23, hmm. and um, so a lot of the mistakes that I made, I made when I was the boss, which mm -hmm. is a little bit of a handicap in some ways. I mean, I, I haven't worked for that many outside people. Mm -hmm. I've really been working for myself for you know 40 years. Hmm. And it's kind of, um, so I, I rely a lot on my team to mm -hmm. bring in new, fresh ideas from the restaurants that they've been working hmm. in. Because, you know, they, and they have good ideas about how to manage, about how to cook, about all kinds of things. And that's why I love collaborating, because I feel like it's a way to learn and expand your horizons. Mm -hmm. And um, What, so, so does a dish come to mind that, Recently, one of the cooks or chefs has has you know brought brought you an ingredient or a specific flavor and. Well, we we took our team down to Tijuana recently mm -hmm. and uh, did a little tour of the uh, Valle de Guadalupe mm -hmm. and the wine country and a bunch of breweries that are doing small 
really cool beers and distilleries and wineries. And um, we ate a lot of good food. And one of, uh, we have a chef here, Gio mm-hmm. Lopez, who's been with us. He was with us about 10 years and then he went off and worked for someone else mm-hmm. for about three or four and then he came back. And um, we were really lucky to have him. But we were all together. And one cool thing we were noticing was these vampiro kind of mm-hmm. uh, tacos. So we've been, he's been working on um, like sprinkling our cheese mix on the comal Mm -hmm. of the flat top and get it and then putting a tortilla on top of it and getting it super kind of crispy, crunchy Mm. and then flipping it over and then rolling it into, well, we're doing a folded, a new fold, like a, it's like a folded burrito, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, like, or it's like a burrito sandwich. That's awesome. It's really fun. Yeah. Because I I think, you know, some people think, and, and, and sometimes it is where one chef makes all the decisions and that's kind of how it is. And, you know, and which is certainly one way, you know, if you have a particular way you want to run it, that's one way. But it seems that, you know, you're attracting the kind of people that you, that you are yourself, right? Yeah. In a way. And I really, I just really value that. I think that when kitchens are really, um, the most fun and the most, um, exciting i think it's when everybody's kind of firing on all their cylinders and Mm -hmm. that's when they're being challenged and valued and getting you know being heard so i do i really do like to uh, involve the team and sometimes you know sometimes they'll cook something for a special and it won't be very delicious and i'll have to say all right we got to go back to the drawing board with this one (laughs) right well and you know that's kind of the 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 nice thing with food right is is you're not investing millions of dollars to you know come up with you know a new a new drug you know you're 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 trying something out and you see you know how the staff likes it how the customers like it how you like it you know so it, it it allows you to play a little bit more yeah and i think the great thing too over these 35 years um you know the the landscape of the culinary landscape has changed so much mm-hmm. and where it was in the beginning you know our employees would come in and they wouldn't really know very much so we would have to teach them everything mm-hmm. you know and now we have people who really i mean the whole world has got turned on to food mm-hmm. you know with food tv and the food culture has exploded in the last especially the last 15 years and so the diners are more astute and mm-hmm. sophisticated the cooks are coming in with more ideas so i feel like um everything's kind of shifted i one of our sous chef steven is really into head cheese and mm. and making kind of and getting a whole pig's head or cow's mm-hmm. head and mm-hmm. kind of breaking it down and thinking and making you know this form of charcuterie which is um quite delicious i mm. have to say and it, you know it's a it's an interesting thing so i like to let them do a little yeah. exploration they have to play as well so what do you think of the word fusion interestingly i used to be very adamantly opposed to fusion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i still feel like there's so much that speaks to me about authentic kind of um, food that makes sense, like mm-hmm. like a wine that's growing in it, it that, you know, its terroir is really um, all made up of the time and place mm-hmm. that that wine is growing. I kind of feel like food is like that as well. Um, so there's a reason that, you know, we're not having, you know, Indian curry tacos or whatever. Right, 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 right. Um, but, but do you think, though, in a way, you know, because you're doing, essentially, you're doing a cuisine in a different country. I'm doing Spanish food in the United States in a different country. So I always consider that I'm kind of already doing fusion a little bit anyway. You know, I mean, if you really wanted to get into the nitty gritty, like, I, you know, I'm getting my, my produce and my, I mean, some seafood I, I get from Spain, but, but you know, my, a lot of my, my fresh meats and my produce, they come from California. Right. So. And that shapes a lot of how the food comes it, it, out. A, a pepper grown in, in California or grown in Mexico tastes, you know, different than a pepper grown in Spain. It's just, yeah. you know, it's just, it is, it is what it is. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, 
I've I've loosened up my my view around fusion mm -hmm, in a big mm -hmm. way because well, also, it got really kind of it was like really hot and then it got like all of a sudden like a really bad rap yeah you know so yeah. but, but but now like I've been thinking about it lately and the reason why I ask you is because as the world gets smaller you know as we're talk as we we talk about you know it's kind of like you know well, hey it's you know, it's all the fused you yeah know, right yeah and i was trained in a very classical french mm -hmm. way i apprenticed in paris and i worked in french restaurants and then i went on to cook a lot of very different food from french food mm -hmm. but i have that basis and that kind of you know those ideas and those techniques are kind of ingrained in my early learning how to cook so i'm already Fusing that into mm -hmm, anything mm -hmm. I'm doing, so it is. I mean, it, and it depends on how you're really how far you take it. Right, 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 right. I guess. Right. Do, did you have when you were in culinary school? Did you have international? Did they have like an international training course or a portion? It was just all French. All French. Yeah. And it was yeah. you know 1976. Right. Sure. <laughs> you sure. weren't even born. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was born in 1976. You were, but, were you uh, in diapers. But because but, uh, I remember, so I went to CCA, but in, in San Diego, and there oh. was a, um, a college of food. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It was great. It was a great course. Um, one of the satellite schools that eventually got bought up and sold off. But yeah. anyway, but it still exists today. It's, I think it's now the San Diego Culinary oh, great. School. And it's a great school. So... Um, our, but but at that time, you know, our international course was, you know, it was kind of like, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a spend. We didn't spend a lot of time on it. It wasn't a big focus. And if you think about it, it's you know a, a lot, especially in the world, a lot of schools are based around French technique, French, you know, not necessarily French ingredients all the time, but French technique for sure. Yeah. So it does, it kind of leaves in the dust a little bit, you know, of the rest of the world. Don't you think so? A little bit? Oh, completely. You know? And I think, you know, I was always really drawn to the more rustic ethnic, even French food, mm -hmm. you know, the confit and the pot au feu, mm -hmm. kind of really the countryside food. Right. And um, but then I was really got really excited about cooking Thai food for a while. I went to I lived in Thailand for just three or four weeks learning. Oh wow! In the eighties, and then uh, Susan went to India. So our city city restaurant was a very globally eclectic menu, and that was we opened in eighty one. Yeah, because you you see these things and you wanna you wanna bring them back and do them. Yeah, and you wanna play with them. Yeah, totally. So. As you say yourself, you've been doing this a long time. You've had several cooking shows. You've 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 done a lot. So cookbooks, and we had a radio show. And a lot, yeah, a, a lot of things. So, and you're and you're you're you've kind of settled settled in now. You know, and, and, and you you know, tell me you know if I'm if I'm wrong, but but you settled now into you know where you talk a lot about good food. And so, so talk a little bit about good food because I think that's interesting. Yeah, I'm, um, you know, I'm a mom. So 28, almost 29 years ago, I had my first son. And I think I started to really pay more attention to where our food is coming from. And, and I got very involved and interested in making sure that the food that we were buying for our home and for my customers in the restaurant, I, I would feel like kind of a hypocrite if I right. w was willing to serve my customers in the restaurant, something I wasn't willing to serve my children and myself. So it's been a great evolution. And, you know, the food supply chain in California is we're very, very lucky. It's quite robust and exciting and good. And you can get a lot of very high quality you know, meats and fish and vegetables. And so um, it's not that hard to really find great ingredients. It's hard to keep my price point as low as I want because right, right. I want it to be accessible that's a, to everybody. That's a whole other conversation, yeah. And, and also the, the customer perception at the table. You know, because you can't, sometimes you, you you really can't price things how you should price them because the perception would be, people would get upset and they would, they would take to social media like a firestorm and yeah. you know but but it's but it but it is but it is the truth so yeah um good good ingredients cost money yeah you know? and i think chefs have a responsibility especially as we've become more and more um you know looked 
looked up to and respected mm -hmm. and trusted and um, you know we're setting trends. I think we have a responsibility to really be vocal about the food system and the food system is in trouble. You know mm -hmm. we need to heal the food system. In fact, you know I think the food system as it gets healed is going to really help us reverse climate change, mm -hmm. which um, is something that's on everyone's mind, right. I think. Right. And I, so as a chef, I think we have an opportunity to really amplify our voices, be more loud and demanding and, you know, talk to our legislators and our customers and our staff about, you know, how we can make an impact because all of us eat three times a day or, mm -hmm. or more. And we all have a responsibility to eat in a way that doesn't degrade the planet or our bodies for mm -hmm. that matter. Mm -hmm. it, it does seem um, especially more and more that meat is is just- Problematic. Yeah, it, it, that's a good word for it. Yeah, you know? I mean, not all meat because um, I just learned yesterday, very exciting, um, that there's a regenerative ranching that's hmm. happening, and the actual hooved animals and their their herds, you know, pounding on the soil, sends a message down to the deep roots of the grasses and hmm. creates um, a more robust kind of growing. Oh, that's and then they eat, and when when they're shifted from pasture to pasture, they're able to bring so much carbon out of the atmosphere into the earth hmm. that it's it's like a regenerative wow where thing. did you learn that um well it from cat taylor uh -huh. who has tomcat ranch okay uh-huh um and they're doing some pretty exciting work that's great I love she that. and, and tom steyer and it's so that's her hmm. husband and so i was really uh so fascinated and so kind of happy to hear a piece of good news you know, mm -hmm. right, know. like a hopeful <laughs> right. idea right uh so um you're doing work with this with the james beard foundation yes i'm on the board of the james beard foundation for the last five years and mm -hmm. i'm really excited about our impact programs mm. i mean everybody knows about the james beard awards mm -hmm. like the academy awards right. for, of chefs and restaurants and i um i feel like you know that's all great but I've never felt like anything that kind of exclusively speaks to the 1% mm -hmm. is that interesting. Mm -hmm. For me, it's always been interesting to really be accessible to, you know, a, a great amount right. of people of all different economic levels right. and, and diverse, you know, in every way. So, well, and, and I also think in this industry, you know, we work right next to, prob we're probably, there's three different economic classes working, you know, under the same roof, you know? Right. So, so you have to be cognizant, you know, how everybody in your, in, in your world, in your environment, you know, how, how they're functioning and how they're able to feed themselves and how they're able to, especially in San Francisco, afford oh, to live, I know. you know, and, and, and it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, some of our, our, our folks, they, they, they live a lot of people in one small apartment in bunk beds and, and 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 they and they sure and they work more than one job oh yeah yeah and, and they it, are make barely making ends meet right and it it's um that's worrisome and i think it's uh something that's always been on my mind mm -hmm. and we've we've kind of tried to create our restaurant in a way that can a lot of people can enjoy it mm -hmm. and i i do feel like that's a, a big thing for us we mm -hmm. think about it so, so besides uh, the James Beard Foundation, you know, because you, you're doing a lot of, of work around this. Yeah, actually, so what I was going to say is the awards are great, mm -hmm. but the impact mm -hmm. programs mm -hmm. are what totally make light me on fire. Mm -hmm. So we're doing all kinds of things like uh, chef boot camps for policy and change, and we're doing uh, women's leadership programs wow. with the Beard Foundation. We're doing, we, I'm on the, I'm the head of the education and scholarship committee. So we do a, a ton of like over half a million dollars a year of scholarships. And um, our industry really needs this kind of 
um, kind of push in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting very much more political, more, um, you know, focused on good food for good. Right. So that's a part of the Beard Foundation that I think people don't actually know about mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that are that's really involved with um, not only delicious food, but food justice and, you know, uh, healthy food that is sustainable and regenerative because mm -hmm. we have been degrading the planet. We don't really want to sustain that. We want to actually regenerate it and then sustain it. Mm -hmm. So sustainability is great but it's a thing that we're gonna to need to do in the future. For now, we need to figure out how to regenerate and take that carbon out of the atmosphere, put it back in the planet. And you know, are you, are you hopeful? I am hopeful. <laughs> After, well, I had a big convening yesterday of 65 chefs from wow. around the country. I mean, sorry, around the state. Uh -huh. This is a state initiative that I am spearheading with the Beard Foundation and a bunch of other organizations. And I think that chefs can really, you know, um, we have all kinds of audiences you know mm -hmm. we have our social media audiences mm -hmm. we have our customers we have our staff we have the people that we cook for at, at benefits and we're storytellers on that plate every time we serve something we're telling mm -hmm. a story what I want is for those stories to to align with the sustainable development goals right. and with you know the 178 countries that made a pact in 2015 to uh, reduce the impacts of climate change by 2030, there's there's a specific roadmap that we need to use. And I think in California, we have an opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. we're, we're a pretty progressive state. We're a huge economy. We I think we have an opportunity that, um, and chefs can help. Oh, absolutely. So it's, it seems like you've always been global minded from from very young. You just, you know, we're, we're, we're like going out, gathering information, bringing it back, going out, gathering information and bringing it back. Yeah, I, I think I took my first overseas trip when I was 12. Mm. Um, my mother took me to Germany mm -hmm. because my grandmother died and um, with her inheritance she wanted she wanted us me and my sisters to really remember my grandmother for for this trip mm -hmm. which was awesome mm. because uh, you know my that my mom's side of the family all came from Germany mm -hmm. a few hundred years ago but um, it was great and I think I've always loved to travel mm -hmm. I feel like travel is my religion you know when I when I travel it's like I've gone to church it's like I feel I, I know my place in the world is small and the world is big and I I really understand the, the magnitude and the beauty out there and um, it puts all, everything in perspective for me it's like looking out at the ocean right yeah. I always feel like I always feel put in my place when I look out at the ocean you know right um, even the though, power. yeah, and and we both live in ocean cities, but we probably neither of us get to the ocean enough. I'm sure. I get. I um, try to go. I you, go on bike rides, early oh, sunrise bike rides. Oh, good yeah. For you. And so, tell me about the new Socolo and and where the name came from. And this is in Santa Monica. Speaking of the beach, right? Yeah. So we were in Santa Monica on Fourth Street for 27 years with hmm. Border Grill. Um, the lease got too expensive, and we weren't really looking but we were offered uh, a really cool project on 20th and Santa Monica Boulevard and we want we want to do you know our our cuisine is constantly evolving and we've been calling it border grill for a long time mm -hmm. since 1985 actually mm. so i think we wanted to kind of evolve our mexican concept into something more that really serves the neighborhood. It's a, going to be breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's in a hotel. Breakfast and lunch are gonna be. Is there room service involved? No. Oh, thank God. No, it's a small hotel. <laughs> I feel like, I, you know, I feel like that's just a whole nother layer of, of yeah. yeah. Are you in a hotel? No. Yeah, no. That, that's a, no. that's I, a but hard I've heard, one. But I've heard, I, so I, I interviewed a chef, uh, uh, Eric Tucker from Millennium Restaurant. Uh, he was a big vegan chef in, 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 in San Francisco. And their original restaurant, they moved, but their original restaurant was in a, was in a hotel. And, and, we, and I was asking him about that same, you know, because, you know, as I feel like as, as chefs, we really, 
like the control, mm-hmm. right? We kind of like it. to control our world, right? And, and 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 it's for a nice end goal, right? I mean, it's all about the end goal of the customer experience, right? So the more we can prepare and control, you know, the the, the better the that we can control the experience of the guest and make sure that it's great. So when you share space with, you know, someone else who's asking you to do things, which I'm sure you have other projects that you do, yeah. you know, it you have to learn to, you know, play in the sandbox together a little bit, of, right? Of course. And yeah. that's not always that easy. But uh, Socolo is sort of a mashup of SoCal, mm-hmm. Southern California, and Zocalo, which is the town square where everyone meets in mm-hmm. Mexico. So this restaurant will be counter service for breakfast and lunch, which we've never done before. But, um, you know, for us, it's really important. We have high quality ingredients and really right. delicious food. And with the cost rising mm-hmm. for labor, we, we think this is going to be a a way to service people more quickly, but right. keeping our our quality standards really high. And then at happy hour and dinner, we're going to switch to full service, mm. and we'll have um, we have a full bar, and it's kind of a small, really intimate, really fun corner uh, restaurant where you know the the whole wall opens up. And I think it's going to be. Uh, re- I'm very excited about it. And our team has been great. We've been collaborating mm-hmm, as you can imagine mm-hmm. on the menu and um, it's it's nice we have tastings every week where we all sit around not just the chef and me and Susan but you know our IT guy and our PR and marketing person right cuz those are your, those are the customers right so so what dishes are you excited about on on that menu well, I'm, in, I'm really excited about that folded, uh, oh, uh-huh. folded that's on the menu. burrito uh-huh. because uh-huh. that's got this crunchy, yeah. golden brown yeah. kind of fried cheese stuck to a flour tortilla. It's like when, when it's in the toaster too long and it's pa- a little past melted kind of thing. That's right. great. I love I it. I love that, yeah. too. Um, we, we're doing some beautiful salads. You know, mm. it's, it's going to be more beachy, the menu, because it's sure. closer to the beach. And Will you do a fish taco? Of course. <laughs> we will so, always but do how a fish do you, but taco. How, so how how do you make a fish taco different and exciting when there's so many fish tacos out there? Well, you're going to have to have our fish taco. Uh, we right. do a grilled fish taco. Okay. Uh-huh. And then we, we put a little bit of lettuce down on the tortilla to kind of keep it from getting soggy mm-hmm. as a barrier. Mm-hmm. And we put the, the fish that's been grilled, a little what kind of fish? two ounce piece. Well, it changes all the sure, time sure. because it's some sustainable. Some kind of a, a white flaky fish. Yeah, yeah. like sea bass. Or, or do you ever do like a salmon or we a do tuna? Salmon. Okay. Uh-huh. We don't salmon. We don't do tuna very much, but mm-hmm. um, we'll do all different kinds. There's red vermilion that's coming in mm-hmm. from just local here. That's mm-hmm. super delicious. Mm. They're smaller, but they're really tasty. Mm. And then we um, put a slaw on top with mm-hmm. a little bit of um, jicama and cilantro and red onion, kind of tossed in a lime vinaigrette and a, a, a wedge or a supreme mm-hmm. of grapefruit mm. and a little aioli. On Yum. the fish, that and it's delicious. really quite, quite nice. People love it. Yeah, we well, sell a lot of fish. I was going to say, and and down here, people are fish taco experts. Yeah. So we, we also have a Baja fried fish taco. Right. That is also very tasty right, and right, right. nice. But um, I I'm I have a soft spot for the grilled fish tacos. So the idea behind the plaza is that you know all are welcome. It's not you know uh, uh, going to be uh, you know have to to, to pay you know uh, the, the a mortgage payment to get there and it's and it's, it's a place to yeah. convene yeah and that's great. you know to connect with each other and yeah. really you know feel comfortable and you can stay you can bring your computer you can hang out you know I, I mean I hope we're so busy that <laughs> that it, that it was that it might become a problem to hang out like right, all day that's a, and camp right you have to turn the Wi-Fi off that would be nice yeah. but I I really want it to be a neighbor I want to serve my neighborhood mm-hmm. where do you what neighborhood do you live in I live in Mar Vista uh-huh. and LA has changed so much in the past 10 15 years traffic has gotten so unbearably yeah. horrible <laughs> no kidding but every neighborhood has sprung up some real gems of restaurants and bakeries and like you don't have to drive across town to get great food anymore there's so much stuff here. You know, I this is the second time I've been to LA in the past maybe six months, and I just love walking around LA. There's so much. Yeah, it's just coming from from San Francisco. San Francisco's tiny, like yeah. in comparison to LA is just is just 
giant. Immense. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's immense. And there there really is. There's so much stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, right before I came to visit you, I was visiting with one of my uh, best friends who she's a nurse down uh, on Skid Row. And she works in the clinic on Skid Row. Mm. And so she was touring me in her facility. And she was, that's what, that's what everybody says. Uh, and... Um, uh, I, I walked around, you know, that kind of you know, part of town. And and even though, you know, and, and homelessness is, is a huge uh, issue right now in San Francisco as well. Yeah. And so it's not like my eyes are, you know, virgin to seeing what's going on um, and haven't had a million conversations with everybody in my community about that. But it's not just that down there. They're, like downtown is really super interesting. I mean, it, it it's not like it's just Skid Row. It's no. it's like a million things, right. you know. And, and one block is one thing, and the next block is completely oh, different. Oh yeah, you know, I, I wandered through that kind of wholesale market that's down there. Yeah, that place is crazy. They have like you know perfume next to like slippers, you know, next to like you know, it's just like and really everything in there. Around the corner, there's the Pinata District yeah. where we can go and get comals and vitrileros and all kinds of stuff. I pa- we passed by that and, and, and I, it caught my eye. I was like, oh, that store looks fun. So it's just, it's it's really, there's so much going on, you know, in, in LA. It's just amazing. Um, yeah, and each neighborhood is becoming its own little village, which mm-hmm. I kind of love. And that's why Socolo, I believe, um, I, I feel strongly, I want to serve our immediate neighborhood. I want to really be that spot that kind of gels the and mm-hmm. is the cohesive element in this neighborhood in this little village so as community-minded as you are do you plan on Sokolo I guess how do you plan on Sokolo getting involved in the community down there well we have always been very very active in the community so mm-hmm. we will you know have will be a place to convene will you know either do things for free or for reduced prices for like when parks and rec wants to um convene people about sports teams or mm-hmm. when um what we, we often get involved in the schools and have uh school children come in and, and take tours of the kitchen and get to you know get their hands dirty and try to oh, make something fun. sometimes i find that that really um you know we have customers that probably came and did a quesadilla class when they were you know in fifth grade and now they're having their own kids <laughs> isn't that a trip isn't that a, we, so so we get that on a very small scale of people will come in and they'll say uh we got engaged here and then they'll come back with a kid yeah you know and, yeah. Then, and it makes you feel so good right you know you feel special when people want to share those things with you right you know if, if you if you know if they didn't you know uh, uh feel that you were part of their community you know as as a business right and and, and businesses are part of the community community oh, yeah yeah. So, but it's, you feel really special when they when when they come back and tell you those things and celebrate their occasions. Yeah, I love it, and I feel like you know we've been, we've been a part of Santa Monica for a very long time, mm-hmm. and now we're coming back. But I feel like we're coming back in a kind of a different way, as opposed to like one. Our other restaurant was quite large, like eight thousand square feet, including the mezzanine, mm. and it was a de- that's giant. I know it's enormous, and it was a. It was a destination restaurant. That's like the size of a grocery store. <laughs> Believe me. And you know, it, in the 80s, that's how people built restaurants. Yeah, yeah. It was an old brewing company in, it opened in 87, I think. Wow. And we took it over in 1990. And you know, we were there 27 years. Wow. So. What's it like moving a restaurant that's been in the same spot for 27 years? I bet that's intense. Oh yeah, very yeah. intense. I mean, you know, you just end up with uh, you know how it is. Well, because you because you were in the mindset of like you know we'll probably need this later, right? <laughs> I mean, unless it's like you know, you, so so my uh, uh, a bookkeeper um, she started washing dishes in a restaurant when she was 15 years old, and she would always say that that the dishwasher or, or no the, the 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 chef in the kitchen who trained her kind of how to do everything. He always told her, and this was an old, you know, in, in a kind of an in, in, in old school way, you know, we recycle far 
parts around here. <laughs> Meaning like, you know, we save everything. Like we don't throw anything away. And and in classic French cooking, right? Yeah. You know, you 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 really you use everything. You 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 know from which is great, which is in in, in very sustainable. You use you know uh, you know everything down to the bones, and then the bones go into the stock. So, and that's fantastic. But I think it's kind of like in our kind of like makeup, right? A little bit, yes. right? To, and especially people of my generation. You know, mm. I grew up with a mom who went through the depression, and we literally. I still wash out my Ziploc bags at home, and I, I keep them. I use them well, dozens the, of times. The alternative is that they 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 end up in a landfill. Know. You know, like when yeah, go ahead. But I am noticing that um, you know young kids mm -hmm. are really really quick to throw things away, and they're mm. not. They don't have that same. It's really um, disturbing to me that you know. I know it's gonna become hip and cool not to waste mm -hmm. and to really recycle, reuse. I think it's gonna get more and more and more exciting in mm -hmm. all the different ways we can, but we have to, we have to, we have to be much more um, respectful of the Earth's resources because they're finite. Well, and, and, you know, it's interesting now because I was reading an article that, you know, a lot of our recycling in California was going out to China, to China and now China's not taking it anymore. Yeah, I don't blame and, them. And so, you know. In Germany, yeah. they have a tax. If you put too much trash on your curb in, you know, at home, yeah. that's not okay. Right. So, you know, the consumers are then saying to grocery stores and you know we don't want all that packaging sure we don't sure. want all that you know we need to cut down on that so it's really i w i really think um and that's one of the things i want to do with this coalition of chefs the california chef action network is mm -hmm. you know go lobby in sacramento to say you know we need to look at what germany's doing mm -hmm. and bring some of that in because we can all do our best. We can re, you know, compost and try to recycle things. And I like, I don't know where California is going to put all the, the recycling. Who knows? Because yeah, I I wasn't sure it was ever going right anywhere. Well, this this you know, I was reading about that a lot of it was you know, I mean, some of it was getting recycled, but some of it was just going into other landfills in other parts of of, of Asia. Yeah. So. Well, so I do think that it's. Um, you know, it's time for us to really get creative and buckle down. And, you know, I'm excited. Robotics are coming online. Right. You know, right. it's going to be easier and easier to dream up uh, cool things. I have this dream about uh, a I'd like to create a little incubator in the Central Valley where chefs and robotics people and man food manufacturers mm -hmm. and farmers can get together and look at what's going into the waste stream on the farm. Mm. And then like artichoke stems are my favorite mm -hmm. thing to eat. Mm -hmm. We can buy the artichokes with a big long stem, like mm -hmm. two feet long, but I can only get a few. If I could just mm. get a barrel of artichoke stems mm. and then you know, process them the way I love to eat them, mm -hmm. which is to just boil them in heavily salted water and take some of the Mm -hmm. the, the woody outside outside off. Mm -hmm. but the center is mm -hmm. just like it's like artichoke meat it's yeah. unbelievably yeah. delicious i think it's better than the, mm. the heart mm. i love it mm. and can you imagine you know coming up with like you can go to the store and buy these frozen artichoke stems yeah. and eat them you know i mean a million ways so i think but it's a lot of labor right it's a lot of uh or it's just inventing a technique to take the i mean you know a lot of things were once a lot of labor you know like uh yeah. you know now there's mechanically peeled potatoes right that right. takes all the labor out of peeling potatoes right yeah so there's ways right as long as there's a demand right yeah and we have to be smarter about using everything right right so I have a, a a small game to play if you're if you're willing. Sure. Okay. Good. So um, I love games. Good. 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 Okay. So it's and it's mainly just it's it's a game of three. So I'm just going to ask you to name name three things, and um, there's no right or wrong. Say the first things that come into your mind. It can be grounded in reality or it can be off in space. It doesn't matter. Um, so tell me three things that make you worry. Well, climate change. I know, right? What a lead in. <laughs> what a lead in. Uh, my children. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, I have two children. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> There's enough worry in both of them. My two yeah. kids and my and climate change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that is a lot of worry. I, to I totally get it. Um, so it, wait, I have a third. Yes. American politics. <laughs> Please. So my it, it worries me. So my Uber driver on the way over here asked me what I think of, of Kamala, and I was like, "Go for it!" You know, yeah. it's like you know, it's like you know, it's just. Uh, I feel. I just feel like we're you know, like taking steps back in time. So you know, so far back. Yeah, yeah. It's really heartbreaking. Yeah. It yes, and 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 I think. I don't know. It's like it's like watching a really slow motion uh, crash. Crash. Yeah. Yeah. That that you that the crash is in slow motion, but we're not in slow motion. You mm -hmm. know, and so you like feel like you know, like you feel kind of like helpless, right? Yeah. With it. Uh, but we're not helpless. But we're not. We can vote. We can make noise. We can get mad. We can march. We can do a million things, mm -hmm. and we need to. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so what are three things that you take for granted? I take for granted clean water, which, and pure, you know, and food that is good for my body. I mean, I don't take it for granted, I value it, but I well, think it's easy. Well, especially, you know, we were in a drought, and, yeah. now, and now we're not in a drought anymore, which is great. Right. But. At the same time, you know, that was, it was really like, an, like we were thinking about it every day. It was really to the forefront, you know? I take for granted that the, the earth is gonna be solid under my feet. Mm. I just remember the 1994 earthquake and mm -hmm. I, for weeks afterwards, it was like- Where were you? I was here in LA mm. and, uh, you know, things got thrown around, mm -hmm. uh, thrown off of tables and, my son, we, we lived in a really crazy old swim school and we had three, our bedrooms were all different buildings built on a tennis court. Mm. <laughs> did you react immediately or did, well, did you, did, did you yeah. kind of take a second to? No, I jumped out of bed and I went running towards the door and my mm. husband was in front of me and he stopped in the doorway and I, mm -hmm. I slammed into him and I said, what are you doing? He said, you're supposed to stop in a doorway. And I said, well, not when you're three-year-old kid is in a different building. <laughs> 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 so we ran over there. Right. But it was, um, yeah, so I, I think I've finally now, mm -hmm. 20 years later or whatever, 20 some, 25 years later, I trust the earth again. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, I guess I, that's something I, rem I really remember that um, it, was a, it was a very unsettling mm -hmm. feeling mm -hmm. that I couldn't trust the earth to be solid mm. under my feet. Mm. But you've lived through some earthquakes, I bet. So I, so I moved to, to California in 99. So I, there, there've been a lot of little ones. And I remember, especially when I moved up to, to San Francisco, I was kind of couch surfing. It was before the first uh, dot-com crash and there was no place to, uh, to live. So I was, you know, having a hard time and I was staying on the couch. And I remember it was like, it was late, you know, it was, it was late at night and I was kind of watching TV and, and the picture started swinging. And so uh, uh, the, the person I was staying with at the time, she's like, welcome to California, you know? Yeah. So it was, yeah. uh, you know, it's just, I mean, it's kind of like part of our, of our lifestyle, you know, out here. And I grew up in Texas and mm. I, I remember, you know, growing up there were tornado scares, yeah. you know, where we would have to, and Michigan too. Yeah, we'd have to go over to my uncle's basement, you know, and yeah. and those things were those things were scary. Too. So it's like you know, each place has its has thing. its thing, and and you know, especially right now in California with all the fires, you know, that's it feels like even though it's not, it's it's there is human hand in that. It feels because it's on such a huge scale, like it is uncontrollable, right? It's 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 not of like like there's no way we could have prevented it, which is not necessarily true all the time, but. The fires are, are obviously, mm -hmm. you know, really scary. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, totally. um, okay. So, 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 did we do three? Were there three of those? Did we get three? Three? Um, oh, the three granites. Yeah. Three take for yes. granted. We got those. Okay. All right. Last three is three proud moments. Three moments when you were so proud. Well, I would say when our first cookbook came out, City Cuisine, mm. I, I remember being really proud of it. Um, and it was a real, I'm still very proud of that book. It's like your first mm -hmm. little, first little thing baby. That, that you never thought you'd mm. really accomplish. I didn't even go to college. You mm. know, I went to chef school when I was 17 and I never looked back. 
Um, I was all, I'm also, I would say when my babies were born, that there's a moment there that is just um, so euphoric. And it's not, I guess it's not really pride as much as, um, it's kind of pride though, because you know, you've gone through this thing mm -hmm. and you're a mom and your your body has produced a baby. It's just like <laughs> right. unbelievable. Right, right, right. Like the food I ate became right. this thing. Right. It's true. And it's really, I, it's really true. a cool feeling. Hmm. Um, I loved being pregnant and I loved having babies. Hmm. And my, my deliveries were both just like piece of cake, <laughs> which a lot of people hate me to say. And yeah. then just recently, you know, we were chosen as the honorees uh, and of the Ju uh, Julia Child Foundation. Mm. And, you know, I've done a lot of fundraising. I've done a lot of work on a million different, you know, fronts. And we've been honored before. But this honor was different. It was just... Why? It, I think because we knew Julia. We loved her mm. so much. Mm -hmm. And she was a huge... Uh, had a huge impact on our careers. But also... It was at the Smithsonian. The curator of the Smithsonian and her assistant came out here and went through all of our stuff, mm. you know, mm. all of our memorabilia mm -hmm. for the, the last 35 years. And we brought things in that we thought were cool, like the, the, the first city cuisine uh, cookbook that we had an artist make up, mm. like, and then we took it to New York. It was York like, right. It was like your, mo your, your mock up. Yeah. Oh, and, that's great. And it was like, it was like so pie in the sky. Every, all the editors were like, oh, we can't do that. That's way too expensive. That's crazy, you know. But we finally found one that would take our, take our book. And, you know, I brought my knife kit in, and um, they took that. Mm -hmm. So my knife kit is going to be in the permanent that's collection. Cr that's crazy. And, and, you know, I think people have an idea how personal knives are to a chef, but really it's, 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 you know, it's like an extension of, of, of your arm, of you, of your, of your clothing. When you go somewhere to work, uh, you bring your, you know, you bring your, your work clothes and you bring your knives, yeah. you know? So, and I, well, when I went to do Top Chef Masters, mm -hmm. I really didn't want to do it. I don't, I think competing, using cooking as a way of competing is kind of, blasphemous almost you know it's like it's I love cooking so much why would I want to ruin it with right. all these right. stupid you know like ideas and challenges but I, I definitely feel you on that one yeah but Susan had done it the year before and mm -hmm. I felt like you know we were getting phone calls from like magazines that we used to do articles in all the time and give recipes to and they really just wanted hers mm. <laughs> after after 30 some years i felt like whoa this is crazy do i have to do this and anyway in a weak moment i said i would do right, it right right but right. when i when i got my knife kit uh together mm -hmm, for that mm -hmm. challenge and it was like a month of work where mm -hmm. you know you took your knife kit and then you were there mm. for the whole month and um and i made it to the final which was i was very proud of but i um you know my knives i had really taken a lot of care in choosing all the tools that i needed right. every tool because you want to set yourself up well for success exactly yeah. so i felt like um that knife kit you know and that was the knife kit that you gave them. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, over the years, I've gotten so many beautiful knives mm -hmm, as gifts. I didn't mm -hmm. I didn't put those in the knife kit. <laughs> I put the ones that, you well, know, were older that I'd right. used for a long, long, long yeah. time. There's still special memories to you. Yes, you know, they it's, are. it's not like you should be left with zero knives. I mean, come no, on. No, I'm, uh, yeah. yeah. But on. I'm excited because, you know. It's they, in the Smithsonian. The Smithsonian. That's crazy. They have the, they have the yeah. mock up of City Cuisine. Yeah. They have some postcards that Susan had sent to her Aww, parents. They awesome. have They have a really beautiful beautiful set of things that they got from us like little notebooks with recipes that on our trips to Mexico mm. we would be you know mm -hmm. writing down and artwork from our early restaurants and menus so um that I just am very proud of that I feel where like is it in the museum is it like it's right next to Julia Child's kitchen that's great that's and, great. and each year there's a new honoree and each year they bring some of that uh, honorees that's great you know, paraphernalia from their careers. Oh, wow. Like they have Rick Bayless's uh, typewriter, I think, that he had taken with him on his first trip to Mexico. Oh, wow. And a mulca had that's, that's a sign of the times. I know. Yeah. <laughs> typewriter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they have, you know, some of Danny Myers, uh, early drafts of his, his wow. great books, or his book on um, 
called is it called setting the table mm. i think his beautiful book that he wrote so it's 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 you know it's a part of you it's a legacy that is there in you know under protected you know glass and stone you know for 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 the centuries you know we hope yeah you know and until, I, I mean until we explode ourselves but you know. yeah well yeah. i wanted to give them something that you know future generations could look at and say wow that's that's what people used to take to work when they cooked. <laughs> right. right, right, because it will all soon be robots. <laughs> exactly. I just thought it would be a good piece of history. But I think the Smithsonian did such a beautiful, beautiful job of honoring us. They really made us feel so special. And mm. um, they, I will always, you know, remember that night. I was, mm. I'm very what proud a of it. What a special night. Wow. Well, congratulations to that thank and you. to all that you do. Thank you. Um, thank you so very much for, for agreeing and saying yes to participating. This has just been an honor to, to share some, some time with you. Same here. It's been great to spend time with you, and I really appreciate your interest and in you putting this out there for the world to hear. Yeah, you know, it's I'm, my hope is that, you know, if, if uh, uh, I don't know, you know, we share our stories that it somehow helps us all a little bit more, right? Absolutely. To collaborate, Yep. you know? So uh, if you want to find out more about anything that's going on, one of the million things that Mary Sue's doing, you can check her on social places at, at Mary Sue Milliken. You can also go to bordergrill.com. That's bordergrill.com. And then you can also come to our page on the Canela website at canelasf.com under the podcast. We'll have links to all these things. So until next time, thank you so much. Thank and you. Uh, do Great. it again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Food, Wine, and the Culinary Mind. Find us on all things social at Culinary Mindcast and on the web, canelasf.com backslash podcast. Don't forget to rate us where you found us.